Your son, he's gone. He was weak and foolish, like his father. So I destroyed him. I gave you ten years to live your life. Now you see me rise. And where did that get you? I trained you so the most dangerous people in the world couldn't kill you. Son, it's time for you to take your place by my side. Hey all, what is up? Welcome to the Weak and Foolish Movie Podcast. I'm your host today, Joe Bang, and with me as always is... Mike Tang. And... Albert Liu. Let's go! Uh, we're three guys who love films and love to talk about it. It's simple as that. But the film we're talking about today is something near and dear to our hearts as Asian Americans and also as Marvel and general nerd film culture fans. The movie we are talking about today is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Fellas, before we go into it, and I know we have a lot to discuss today, I, I wanted to see what this movie meant to you going in or what it means to you now coming after it. So I want to start with Albert. Tell us uh, how this movie has been for you or this whole experience. You know, I, I've been thinking about the first time I saw Black Panther and I got to see it about a week before it came out. And I remember thinking, you know, this is not the greatest superhero movie I've I've ever seen, like The Dark Knight is to me. But it will change things and it will change things for the better. And um so I was, you know, really happy for um the black community to sort of have this moment um uh and um i did catch myself thinking well when is it gonna be you know my turn to see something like that um because i already loved black panther and i could already imagine how it must have felt to someone who hadn't uh, seen themselves represented on the big screen before like that and um so when I heard that Marvel was doing Shang-Chi, I was kind of happy about it in the sense that, well, look what they did with Black Panther. And they said they were going to do more inclusive stories and they were going to throw a huge budget at it. And they delivered. But can they do it with this one? Can they repeat it? And can they do it in a way that can sort of uh, move beyond its problematic history? And so that kind of requires having the right people in front and behind the camera and the right, you know, marketing and all that sort of stuff in play. So there was a part of me that was still very cautious, despite being happy about watching this movie. But I, I'll have to say after watching it, um, my fears were gone. I, I, I think that uh, uh, this is a moment for the Asian American community and um kudos to marvel for 
sticking to their promise uh, of telling more inclusive stories and and delivering them in an extremely high quality fashion. Wow. Thanks, Albert. That's we're going to I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot about that going forward. Uh, Mike, how about you? Yeah, thanks for that, Albert. That was like a really great recap of, I think, a, a lot of what we were thinking, too, uh, leading up to this movie uh, with Black Panther. Um, for me, from my perspective, I, I was thinking about in 2018, uh, Crazy Rich Asians and how that kicked off this wave of films about Asian Americans starring Asian Americans and made by Asian Americans. And since Crazy Rich Asians, we've got some pretty notable films, right? We've, we've gotten Searching, uh, The Farewell, Minari, Mortal Kombat. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, Mortal Kombat does have a lot of uh, Asian Americans in it, so uh, in front of the camera. Uh, uh, Shang-Chi feels like an enormous culmination of years and years of Asian American artists trying to break through. And, uh, you know, I, I've, you know, I, I'm like, I guess, sort of an aspiring filmmaker. Like, I like making short films and collaborating with people. And I've been to events uh, where with other Asian American filmmakers and actors. Um, and, you know, it's a small community. And, you know, uh, I, and this is like back in like 2013, 2014, and just seeing how small the community is. And just, but, but everyone has this collective effort and this collective dream of trying to make it through. And I, I think just seeing where we are now in 2021, like, you know, we've, you know, we've come a long way in, in the entertainment industry. And I feel like with Zhang-Chi, we've never gotten a film to this level, right? Albert, you mentioned the budget. It's $150 million. Uh, I looked up, you know, Crazy Rich Asians was $30 million. That, that's like the highest budgeted Asian American film, you know? So, and, and this, like, this is like five times that budget. And it's not just a huge budget, but it's in the biggest franchise uh, in the world right now. And pro probably one of the biggest franchises ever. And so uh, it, it's it, it feels great to have finally to finally be here, uh, and then I'm excited by the fact that my my boys, my two boys, are going to grow up now with an Avengers team that includes a hero uh, from the same cultural background as them. And you know he's not just Asian, but he speaks Mandarin, and he he's someone who takes off his shoes before going to his friend's house, you know. Uh, so you know. I mean, let's face it, my kids aren't going to watch The Farewell. They're not going to watch Minari for another 20 years. Uh, they're going to watch stuff <laughs> like Shang-Chi within, Shang within a couple of years. And so I think it's important to have representation, not just in cinema, but in big budget blockbusters like this one. And, you know, people like, you know, people like Martin Scorsese, <laughs> likes to, they like to rip on Marvel <laughs> for being like a theme park ride, you know, but these... This franchise is important, and I think the fact that it can do films like Black Panther and Shang-Chi, uh, it, it's, it's, like you said, Albert, it's so important for our community, our communities. And uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, I'm just so glad we're here, and then, and I'm so glad that this movie was a great film. It's, it's not just, it, it's not just, them trying to pander to our community but they actually made a great film and they put a lot of great 
performers in front of the camera, a lot of great people behind the camera, and I can't wait to talk about this with you guys. Wow. That's awesome. Mike, that was wow. uh, just to hear you talk about as a filmmaker and the, and the father, um, that's, uh, that's a wonderful perspective to have uh, because of this movie. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Um, just definitely getting emotional listening to both of you guys talk about this. Um, particularly, Mike, you were saying your 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 sons and your future kids are our future kids are going to grow up with this film. And I was just thinking the other day, talking to my wife while we were swimming. Actually, I was like, "What if like we grew up?" with a movie like this i would have been so excited as like a 10 year old like swimming and there's so much like well we won't talk about spoilers yet but like there's so much going on in this film and i would have been had so much fun acting it out um for me this movie has been really special um especially in the past few months because uh, earlier in the year, my wife, Angela Ang, got to work on this movie as one of the dialogue slash ADR editors. Um, I was already looking forward to this, uh, like Albert said, uh, because it was an Asian lead and an Asian story. Um, so on an Asian American community level, it meant a lot already. But um, having my wife get a chance to really work on this and being brought on as part of a diverse cast of filmmakers... Um, an intentionally diverse cast of filmmakers, a cast of filmmakers that understand the culture of the movie they're working on was really special um, for us to experience and have unfold. And um, and then to, to be able to celebrate this past weekend with her and our friends and family at the theaters um, and to just cheer her on when her name came up, this whole experience has been surreal. It's been incredible. And one of my favorite movie-going experiences in quite some time, if not in my entire life. Just the, I love what I'm seeing on social media too, where everyone in the Asian American community and outside of it is really rallying around this film. Uh, going to theaters, I have heard so many people say this will be their first movie uh, since the pandemic. Um, and people really have seized the moment and how crucial it is to have a movie like this appear and so anyway i think we've said enough i think it's time to talk about the movie what do you guys think yeah let's go for it all right so as for those of you who are tuning in for the first time what we do is we like to break our reviews up into non-spoiler sections at the beginning where we give our general impressions of the film and then we then break down spoiler thoughts full-on details down to the minute details in some cases if you listen to our justice league podcast you'll know that's the truth there um and our tenant ones but anyway um let's hear some non-spoiler thoughts about shang chi and the legend of the ten rings mike why don't you start us off i think the biggest highlight for me in this movie was the action uh hand-to-hand combat so well choreographed exhilarating to watch in the mcu I mean, it's. I thought Winter Soldier was the best in terms of fight choreography, and this surpassed it by far. Uh, Simu Liu fights like he's Jet Li. Uh, it's astounding how good he looks in a fight. You know, considering that what he's most known for at this point is uh, for a comedic role in Kim's Convenience, and Tony Leung and Michelle Yeoh. 
they're both 60 years old, but they move like they're 25. Uh, just their moves feel like class, like a classical martial arts dance, right? The, there's beautiful movement that mimics like water and wind. And I, I mean, I got to talk about Tony Leung, man. Like, uh, you if you're listening to this podcast and if you've listened to this before, um, <laughs> you know that we're big Wong Kar Wai fans. Obviously, if we love Wong Kar Wai, we love Tony Leung. And this guy was the thing I was looking forward to most in this movie. Uh, you know, it's not just he's in an American film, but he's in a Marvel movie. And, I, you know, I'm just so excited that the world gets to see the genius of this legendary actor, how much he conveys through so much subtlety in his performance. I think a lot of Western performers, you know, their acting is all in, like, exploding with emotion. Uh, Tony Young has so much subtlety in how he conveys things through his eyes, through his expressions. Um, and he's usually very calm in his films. So uh, I'm excited for the you know audiences to see that. And I, I felt like this was worth all the hype. He freaking knocks it, uh, the role out of the park. I love Simu Liu as Shang-Chi, but Tony Leung, I think, completely overshadows him. And, you know, it's not any fault for any of the other actors. I mean, it's just Tony Leung, you know. He's, he's, just, uh, he's just a legendary actor. And I'm really, really impressed by his command of the English language, like, and how he chose to speak with a gruffed voice. You can almost taste how much experience he's seen uh, in this life. And, you know, Michelle Yeoh, another Chinese screen legend, uh, I think just like in Crazy Rich Asians, she has such a commanding screen presence uh, whenever she's there. You know, um, in terms of the story, uh, you know, obviously this movie's a lot of action, but the story itself, I mean, it's about, I mean, you, you see this in the trailer, so I'm not ruining anything, but it's about Shang-Chi running away from his overbearing father who wants him to stand by his side. Um, and I felt like there's a really great family dynamic there. Although, you know, somewhat cliched, but, you know, we haven't seen it <laughs> in such a large-scale fantasy film like this. Uh, you know, we, we see this often, right? An overbearing parent wanting children to do what they want. But, you know, um, I think it speaks to, I think, uh, you know, Asian parental expectations, kind of like Crazy Rich Asians as well. Mm. Um so I know I, I've been kind of gushing about this movie and what it means to us and, and how great the action is and how there's, and, and the performers are, but uh, I think there are some shortcomings. I think the story falters uh, at the halfway point. Uh, I don't want to say too much about that, but you know the story does make a shift in halfway point, and that's when I felt like the movie kind of took a, a dip for me. Uh, I think actually if the movie cost half as much if it cost $75 million instead of 150 I honestly think this movie would have been much better and more cathartic. Um, I think you can probably, you know, anyone listening to this podcast, anyone who's seen a, a, a Marvel movie knows that, you know, the third act is going to have an epic CGI battle, right? We know that that's <laughs> going to happen. Um, I just felt like I lost complete interest uh, in that um you know, when I saw the CGI stuff, I'm like, you knew oh, it's going to happen. You kind of smell it in the air. And when it does happen, <laughs> I, I kind of just checked out of the movie. I, I wanted to go back to the simpler, more intimate roots of the first half of the film. Um, but that's not to say the movie doesn't, doesn't succeed. I think I, I can see what they were trying to do with the end. I'm assuming the studio wanted that, you know, they have to follow a certain formula, right, in terms of 
storytelling in Marvel. So I understand why that's there. Uh, I just wish they took the opportunity. I mean, they took a big risk, right? It's an all Asian cast, uh, you know, no big name stars or anything like that. Um, I, I felt like because they took that risk already, they could have taken a risk with the storytelling. But, you know, I understand it's a big studio machine and you have to uh, hit certain marks. Uh, anyways, those are my non-spoiler thoughts. Awesome. Wow. I can't wait to talk about that. Um, but I love the uh, the section, an ode to Tony Leung. I think we're going to be called the Tony Leung fan cast if we're not careful. <laughs> All right. Just, uh, <laughs> just uh, heads, heads up to our uh, viewers. The way... The way you say his name, uh, we have to clarify. Uh, he, he's so Job's saying Tony Leung because uh, that's the Cantonese pronunciation, right? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. That's correct. all right. So, uh, so Job, to be fair, you got to call him Liu Simu. <laughs> I uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Um, awesome. Uh, turned into a Chinese lesson now. <laughs> I know. I. Hey, I am the most uh, American of Chinese people, so uh, we'll um, see about that, Job. <laughs> I think I'm pretty. I think I'm pretty American, so um, you know, man, the, Albert, the Albert, t- possible. So, all right, we'll we'll see how you pronounce uh, Tony's last name. So, I never yeah, pronounce Albert. it like Mike, actually, Tony Leung. <laughs> so, um, but it's it's awesome. it's fun to. Uh, uh, see uh how recognized internationally he is now be beyond uh you know art house film fans and the international film fans here in the states it's it's good to see him uh getting his moment i'm, I'm not as big of a fan admittedly as you guys are of him but obviously i i know of him i've seen a lot of movies with him in there my fiance is in love with him <laughs> i'm 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 <laughs> sure right exactly so i i'd always you know we you know see you guys gushing over him and then i turn over to alice you know my fiance and then she's gushing over him i'm like wow i'm i'm stuck the last two weeks i've been stuck in the 24 7 tony uh, love fest here or something going on so Just straight up lust in her he's a good looking guy sure why not but um yeah mike you, you totally took the words out of my mouth when you were talking about the marvel formula i'll just sort of get my one mind their gripe out of the way about Shang-Chi but it's the same gripe I have about nearly every Marvel film ever made which is um, there's always this sort of uh, Shakespearean familial type plot that anchors the character's growth and and sometimes that works to varying degrees I I think it worked very well in this movie uh, you know uh, in Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok but it hasn't always worked too well so you have that and then you you're right you it's always sort of you know the third act turns into a cgi bombastic you know mishmash of of you know incredible epic fight scenes but um they don't feel as um as interesting at times as maybe what happens in the first two thirds or two acts of a movie so i I, i'm totally with you on that i i think there is this um this Marvel formula that uh, they've kind of perfected in a way, and they've gotten better at it as time goes on, but it's also a little predictable. Um, that being said, um, I think it's everything else that makes you know this movie stand out on its own a little more than the rest of the uh, 
Marvel movies. I'm not saying for better, but very effectively. Uh, one is uh, the fight scenes. We've never seen martial arts fight scenes in in a movie like uh, a Marvel movie, and it was great to see them do it and take it seriously. And they also got you know uh, Bill Pope to do the cinematography from the Matrix, was which was kind of interesting. So that gave the fights a lot of uh, dy- dynamism uh, that we haven't seen before, uh, especially with the way they played a lot with the camera angles. And uh, I think the other thing uh, that I loved was that the main character didn't always have the attention of the story. In this, uh, I, I felt like in, in Shang-Chi, s- secondary characters were almost as well developed, if not somewhat more developed than the main character was even at times. And I really like that. I really feel like that's a great way of, of making a universe um, and a story feel more real, right? That the secondary characters aren't really just there for the main character. They've kind of got their own ambitions and 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 sort of a narrative uh, uh, trajectory that that that's uh, really really fascinating. I, I think this movie did a, a super super uh, awesome job at that. So um, those are my immediate thoughts. Honestly, Mike, you, you kind of took most of my thoughts away from me already, especially when you were talking about the veteran actors and that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, awesome. Yeah, uh, you guys really set the tone really well for for uh, our discussion and i just gotta say for the um for the cgi portion that we talk about um i saw that in some of the reviews going in and was prepared for it um so i it didn't fall as flat for me as it may have for you but i also felt like even though there was a lot of cg in the third act it was presented in a pretty unique way um for the story but we'll talk about that a little later. Um, here are some of my non-spoiler thoughts. Uh, and it goes back to watching Thor for the first time. Uh, here is a movie about an aspirational godlike figure, uh, blonde and blue-eyed and incredibly attractive and charming. Um, perfect template for a superhero, right? Like like all the looks and, and super muscular and everything. Um and he would become a big part of the Marvel Universe along with other attractive people like Captain America and Iron Man and the whole band of merry warriors, right? Uh, and then along came the Black Panther. Um, we've, we've mentioned this earlier in our review, but here was a black man, a, a person of color in Chadwick Boseman who was handsome, charming, and also an aspirational figure. And I remember watching that film and seeing the love of the black from the black community over having their very own badass avenger who was inspiring and ultimately cool as hell and i thought about this movie whenever it would happen and was hoping for even 50 percent of that coolness to translate for us um but you know what? I think it delivered. I, I, I felt so first of all, I felt a lot of anticipation, feeling like maybe this will be our Black Panther moment. I had that with Mulan last year and I was thinking this could be it, but it it was not. Um let's just leave it there. Um <laughs> so maybe with Shang-Chi we'll we'll get a superhero to call our own. Um 
not saying you know like the avengers weren't like our heroes because i mean they're i mean they all are we love them all but shang chi was a hero that was like one of us uh like almost like he's a part of our family like we could easily he could easily be our cousin you know but he was cool and badass and and amazing and so first of all shang chi providing that is already a, a huge win for me um but this movie uh for me was so good and in some parts it was a truly great film it's epic beautiful uh emotional like i definitely got so much emotions watching this this film uh we watched this film twice in the past weekend and there was just so much joy uh, at seeing legends of asian cinema like you guys said tony Lurang, michelle yo on the screen and along with our new and vibrant actors um i think they're these these performers brought a lot of gravitas to the screen a lot of weight uh, a lot more than i'm used to in a marvel film and there's one scene i can't wait to talk about this that i'm convinced will be in video essays and one perfect shot twitter accounts for years to come um it's so gorgeous it's so well crafted uh there are some moments where like some small plot device type things and some dialogue and performances that fell a little flat uh, but that's to be expected so overall um this movie was a a good freaking movie and was just a couple steps away from being an absolute masterpiece in my opinion but uh that's that's it for that i think we're like dying to get the spoilers so shall we do that guys yeah let's do it let's do it all right spoilers in three two one boom no no you're still holding on let go um so spoilers uh who would like to go first (laughs) there's there's just so much to talk about um all right i i guess we can talk about the story and i guess the issues that we ran into because um okay uh i mean all right so first half right we got shang chi and his sister shaling running away from their father and then when wenwu catches up to his kids uh this is the part where i was like this is such a freaking good movie like not only is the action amazing but then tony young shows up this is the first time you see him in present day you see the expression on his face. He, you feel the love that this man has for his children. Uh, but at the same time, you see Simu Lu's face. You see uh, his sister's face. They have terror in their eyes. And uh, I just love that dynamic, the, 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 the tension there. Uh, like Shang-Chi does not want his father's mantle. And Shaoling wants it, but she can't have it because she's a girl. And I feel like this is a classic... You know, Asian family tale. Uh, this part was the film's greatest strength. As great as yes. the action was, I love this family drama here. And I felt like they had an opportunity to do something that no MCU movie has ever done, is to, to keep it small and intimate. Um, I, I really wanted to know how Wu and his children would reach uh, reconciliation or somehow redeem their relationship. You know, but he reveals to them that he's on a quest to bring his dead wife back. And I guess that's kind of interesting, but then we find out later on 
that he's actually being manipulated by the dweller in the darkness, mm -hmm. the big dragon monster thing. I felt like that really cheapened his character, and mm -hmm. I just I was not on board with that because he automatically lost agency. He went from a, a complete badass to this like this puppet, and you know I. Uh, you know, I, I, I was not, yeah, I just didn't like where they, the direction that they took with that. Because I thought they yeah. had built him up so well in the first half, and then he's just some loser in the second half. <laughs> not to mention, he, this is supposed to be the Mandarin, like right. a super villain, you know, like that has in a way been set up since 2013 with Iron Man 3. I I agree with you there. It When we found out what Wenwu's motivations were or like what was causing it i i felt like oh that doesn't quite work for me um i i i almost wish he was more evil if that makes sense like to make his character a little more well formed or like why why are shang chi and Xiaoling scared of him uh we don't see enough here to make a pure like hatred kind of thing or pure like villain and maybe that's okay. I mean, that could also be a temp, uh, testament to Tony Leung's, Leung's <laughs> sad, <laughs> his sad eyes, um, and how sympathetic. I almost felt sympathetic for him and felt bad for him by the end. And I, it was a weird feeling. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to feel that. Um, I, I wish they gave us more of a, a bit of a clear, like, rooting interest in in this story. I don't know how how you guys feel. How, how about you, Albert? I didn't have much of a problem with that. I think as as you mm. guys did. I I kind of felt like we were seeing the twilight of his super villainy. He had supposedly given it up uh, back in 1996, but uh, to to live an honest life, even though he's been living thousands of years of of conquering and villainy and all that sort of stuff. And he's only sort of back because of of a. Of this love he has for his dead wife, so the way I saw it was that it made him emotionally vulnerable to be manipulated. I, I don't feel like he was being controlled. I just think that the dwellers sort of just knew exactly what the right emotional pressure points mm. were for his uh, uh, character, um, so that he would, uh, you know, inadvertently free him. But um, yeah. I, 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 I do sort of. Um, of what you guys said about uh, the way his children fear him in a way uh, because you know it is I think uh, Katie the Aquafina character puts it uh, pretty <laughs> well when uh, she's talking to Shanshi about why he you know why he has to confront his father and why he he fears him and hates him and and to sort of be turned into an assassin uh, at the age of 14, which is what happened to Shanxi and spurred his move to America, um, was like, okay, yeah, I, I can, you know, that's, that's, uh, I, I can see how that can make a kid afraid of what, what his father's about to do because he was made to do something he didn't want to do in a way. Sure. Or manipulated to do something he thought was probably the right thing to do until he did it and it wasn't. I kind of wish that part was actually more explored. The more I think yeah. about it, I thought we were gonna see him kill uh, his mother's killer, Sanchi kill his mother's killer, but that never happened. Then I was kind of like, yeah. "Oh, yeah, that would have been a cool thing to see." Yeah, uh, I, I agree I, with you. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. 
thinking about what 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 what's been done instead of head of head of, head of thing um which is you know he he was a conqueror for a thousand years and then he gave it up for this woman who he fell in love with and i you know i i think it says a lot to how much he loved her and then how much he loved his kids and his family um so i think him losing her i mean it it kind of reminds me of like kind of in in some ways like anakin skywalker right where because of death of someone he loves so much he turns to the dark <laughs> but in, in wenwu's case he goes back to the dark side you know he was always mm-hmm. in the dark side he be, turned to the light and then this tragedy made him go back and i felt like him going leaning so far into the darkness and like him training his kids to be killers um it's like i felt like maybe it would have been more compelling if the story was about yeah their kids are terrified of him but they want to save their father and bring him back Mm -hmm. somehow and i felt like that just got lost with the whole talo thing and and the big cgi battle and the dragons at the end (laughs) man you you make me want to talk about star wars but i'm gonna refrain (laughs) i mean we can this we we can it's a disney property so you know (laughs) that's true that's true (laughs) we won't be uh copyright struck down for uh for talking about star wars in a marvel podcast just kidding um there is a part that that reminded me of luke skywalker but maybe we'll get to that yeah i know I what think, part you're I talking think albert about. knows how to yeah, talk. Why, why don't you guys just talk about it now yeah i'll just talk about it now yeah that sounds good wait real quick though i i do want okay this this is good um leading up to the luke skywalker luke i can't speak skywalker <laughs> <laughs> Tony Lurg, <laughs> the pronunciation thing is throwing me off. Yeah. Anyway, um, Shang Chi. Uh, I want to say I understand his motivation, but there's a there's a confusion to it, and maybe that's part of the character. But remember, there's this moment where he's telling Katie, "I'm gonna kill him." Like, and you're just kind of like, "Whoa!" Like, where did this come from? I I didn't feel like. There was a set, especially because even if he was trained to be a killer at 14, like he's lived 10 to 15 years away from that now. And he seems pretty harmless for the most part. Um, and I, I just didn't feel like I got that darkness or that pure hatred from the rest of the movie yeah. that led to that point. And so... I, I literally was just kind of like, wait, wh- why? <laughs> like, why why do you have to kill him? Like, yeah, still jo- talk to him, right? Right. I, I, Joe, if I may interject real quick, I, I think yeah. that could have been solved if if when they were in Talo, they, they really fell in love with the place. I felt like it was that important yeah. to protect that he had yeah. to kill his father. But, you know, like, you know, it, um, it, I, I never felt like we got a chance to feel like Talo was that worth it, despite its awesomeness, and and it yeah. never felt too real for me too. But you know that that could be a that's a weird horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I we just saw you know I, I felt like there were worlds in in Loki, uh, the Disney Plus series, and and uh, the Mandalorian that felt a little more real to me than Talo did. But you know, maybe that's another yeah. topic or something. I, I also I mean speaking on the same topic of like taking a couple of leaps in terms of uh, like a character's arc um i i felt like 
Wenwu stopping his quest to save his wife and then saving his son and then giving his son the rings. I, I thought that too. Like, that's obviously what we wanted to see in the end. But I think how they got there too, it was just like all of a sudden he just had a change of heart. Mm. And mm -hmm. it's because he realizes all oh, these dragons are coming out. My wife isn't actually in there. Um, that to me also, you know, uh, it didn't feel like it earned that moment. I think we're supposed to feel uh, all these emotions when when the father gives his son the rings. Yeah. But oh, I kind of felt it actually. I I, I don't know. Maybe. Um. I I feel like he was always doing it in doing this whole thing in a way to because he does love his family but it's it's sort right. of in a very perverted way right he he thinks that bringing his dead wife back is the solution to bringing his yeah. family back together and and it's not until at the end where Sanchi tells tells him no we need you yeah that i, I think he has that moment maybe, maybe that scene could have been played out a little longer i do feel like going back to the problem with these marvel movie third axis things start moving very very quickly instead of taking yeah. their time like the other first two acts of the movie are so yeah i'm yeah. kind of with you albert like i i do feel i did feel that emotional weight when the 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 turn quote unquote actually happens i think and a lot of that is is because of tony learns delivery and his performance the he's he's got this like he's his eyes are like always yearning and he there's even a part where he he was Shang Chi was like, she's not in there or like was trying to convince him to stop doing what he was doing and he gives this like desperate last plead that's like I have to save her you know like and I felt that like desperation like this is this is all I've pinned my hopes on like I and he just had been blinded to um, everything else and any possible solution. But I did feel like when Shang-Chi said, we need you, um, that was the moment that turned. And, 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 and also when he threw the rings away, threw his lightsaber, I mean his rings away uh, in that moment. <laughs> I knew <laughs> um, it. <laughs> so that was very Luke skywalker in that like, he, he laid his weapon down and said, no, I, I want you, like... Just as Luke told Vader, I want you because you're my father. Like, and that like spoke a lot to. I mean, why Luke Skywalker works is kind of why that scene worked for me too. But uh, why it won't ever be compared to Luke Skywalker in terms of weight and and such is because we just didn't see enough of the seeds of when we was in doubt or maybe I'm wrong on this. You know, like. There wasn't enough of that leading up to it, and so I, I think I kind of fall in the middle there. Uh, I kind of agree with you, Mike, but I did feel emotions, and it could just be because of the performances. Yeah, I think uh, with everything that you said, I think I think the viewer has to fill in some of the gaps that the movie has, yeah. um, and it's like it, it comes down to like whether or not you're willing to to do it, do that work for the movie. Uh, I, I and I guess I, I'm just on the side of the opinion that you know it's the movie's job to give that to us, not not the viewer. I, mm -hmm. I do feel like they, it gave it to us in bits, but I, I do feel like um, going back to your point about the viewer filling in the blanks, um, there are scenes that could have established 
uh, the real tragedy of this situation, which is the kids did know him as a good father for a while of their lives, and mm-hmm. and then after yeah, um, their their mother is lost, um, he turns into something else. But there's only like maybe one scene of him being, you know, playing with his kids when they're toddlers DDR. or something like that. Yeah, DDR, and, and, and <laughs> yes. it, it, it kind of expects that like maybe. 10 seconds of, of happy family scenes will we'll, we'll do that uh, we'll do we'll, we'll carry that emotional weight um, and, and I agree with you in the sense that it, it's it's not enough yeah I, I feel like it could have benefited from another five minutes of backstory or at least even in the modern day uh, more conversations uh, the dinner table scene earlier on when when oh, we yeah. first recaptures his children and and Katie, American girl, yeah. and Katie, <laughs> like that scene was so awesome. It was like great. it, yes, it was yeah. filled with tension, and they were just sitting around the table. And I think that if they had maybe one more scene of that, and and I watched all the trailers for this film, and there was definitely a scene. In which Wenwu and Shang Chi were talking that had been cut mm. um, from this final cut that I feel like could have really helped, um, especially because the final conflict was between the two of them. Um, but you know, maybe it just wasn't working in in the main cut or something. Sometimes these pacing things are really tough to nail. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the Mandarin again uh, because there, there was a lot of anticipation for uh, that character. Um, for those of you who are a little newer to the MCU, uh, the Mandarin first showed up in Iron Man three uh, as a villain um, that ultimately turned out to be an actor who had taken the the name of the Mandarin and used it to be a terrorist um, and. We see that it was just a silly actor from from England, <laughs> named Trevor Slattery. <laughs> and played played brilliantly by Ben Kingsley. Yes, I got. We gotta give our it's, shouts to Ben Kingsley. Yeah, and then Marvel for being able to cast something like uh, that role for him and him agreeing <laughs> right. to it, which is pretty amazing in itself. So that is so true. I didn't know he had like a comedic bone like that in his body, but he did. Um, and what happened after Iron Man 3 was they filmed a short called All Hail the King featuring Trevor Slattery. And it's about him and his time in prison. And then it turns out that the Mandarin, the real Mandarin, had sent agents to capture him and exact revenge on him for taking the name and um, defiling it and desecrating it or whatever. And so since 2013, we've been waiting to see how the Mandarin would react to this moment. And um, I just got to say, and uh, this is a disadvantage as someone, and I think the three of us are all in the same boat, uh, as people who really follow the MCU. I I don't know about you guys, but how they handled that piece of the Mandarin story, and I know it would have been just a sideshow, honestly, in the midst of this. I felt like was uh, pretty disappointing. Are you talking about like uh, Trevor Slattery or the? Uh... Yeah, yeah, like how they handled the Trevor Slattery thing, and and also I guess just the legend of the Mandarin as a character. 
Oh, it's okay. So the legend kind of alludes to what we were talking about, like, in a way, right? Like, we never yeah. really saw Wen Wu as the Mandarin at his peak. And, and he's sort of like this haunting figure who's sort of right. behind the scenes for the last... Actually, ever since 2008, right? Uh, right. When the first Iron Man appeared. Yeah, I, I, I get that. Um, I, I was okay with Trevor Slattery, actually. I, I don't know why. I think he's such a strange <laughs> character. I just kind of enjoy everything about him. And I, th- I think one of the loudest laughs I had from the movie was when he, he was talking about <laughs> Planet of the Apes, how he thought they, they were actually monkeys <laughs> or horses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, um, True. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 once again, I feel like the 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 main fault of that goes uh, back to Marvel adhering to this formula. There has to be that plucky outsider character who's not, you know, the main ethnicity, right? And he did this with Black Panther, mm, right? Right, Martin, with, Martin Freeman, right? right exactly. Yeah. Okay, who has yeah. to somehow be, you know, connected to this overall story and sort of be the comedic relief so i feel like they were following that sort of play with that character you know to to be honest i was actually okay with how they handle it because uh i actually watched iron man 3 and all hail the king the day before i watched shang chi so um i was kind of primed and ready to see him in this film and i like the fact that you know they did uh they followed up with that the fact that he was captured and they were about mm-hmm. to execute him, but the fact that they kept him behind because he's such a, <laughs> he's just a stupid like jokester, like you know they made him laugh. <laughs> yeah. so, so he's like their entertainment. I, I, you know, I was okay with that. That was pretty okay. consistent with the character and, and everything. I, I felt like, you know, Marvel really uh, made a bad choice in making the Mandarin like a joke in Iron Man three, and I felt like they recovered from that really gracefully uh, with this. Mm. And, That's cool. And I think this movie also retroactively made me hate Iron Man 3 a lot less. Because um, I, when I rewatched <laughs> Iron Man 3, this is my first time rewatching it since theaters in 2013. I, I actually enjoyed it a lot. And there's actually a lot to appreciate about the humor and about the subversion of expectations in that movie. <laughs> so I, you know, I was actually okay with it. Um, like I don't, I don't think it's a masterpiece, but you know, it's still like I found it to be entertaining, and it's moved up from the bottom of my MCU ranking, you know, because oh, wow. of Shang Chi. Whoa, nice. Oh, I, I, I thought it was like the last Jedi before the last Jedi came out, and I, I, I remember, I remember hating it. Let's but, not go know, there. I know, I know. I'll stop doing it. But I, I was disappointed, very disappointed with how they handled yeah. the Mandarin in that movie. Although I did laugh at many many points in that movie i do find it to be if i think of it as like a funny movie which you know yeah. based on uh, who was the director again of that movie the he uh gosh his name escapes me but he's kind of known shane. for that oh shane yeah. black shane black, shane black shane right black. he's kind of known for that sort of, of of that humor so if i think of it more as that type of movie it doesn't bother me but if i think of it as like a marvel movie with a hyped up villain <laughs> and, and it does it does bother me a lot but yeah. yeah, that's that's all fair. I, I, I think I was hyping myself up with expectations that weren't deserved. I, I was hoping maybe like there'd be some brutal death uh, where like I see Tony Lurring execute Trevor Slattery. But I suppose with how comedic he turned out to be, they weren't going to go that route. I, it would have been unnecessarily dark. Plus, uh, actually, he has... 
Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I, I was expecting the same thing, Joe. Like, I thought, I thought the movie's going to start with Trevor Slattery being brought into the Mandarins, and me that's too. how we're that's how we're introduced to the Mandarin. How like how badass this guy is, and yes. how he kills Trevor Slattery. But yeah, well, oh, sorry, Albert. Golan. I mean, they have to have a character interact with some furry thing that they can, you know, <laughs> merchandise and and the last I checked. You know, sell for thirty nine ninety nine. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. So, I mean, I, I kind of felt like, oh, they, they just really felt like they needed a you know comedic relief there. But yeah. So here, here's another line of thought when we were talking about Wen Wu as as the Mandarin, because it seems like this is kind of mostly what we've been talking about right now about uh, regarding Shang Chi, uh, yeah, and rightfully so. Uh, but despite all the problems. Uh, with the villain in 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 this movie with the with Wenwu the real Mandarin, he is still like ninety ninety five percent better than all the villains. Yes, that we have mm-hmm. seen in every yep. other Marvel yes. movie. Amen. Yeah. So preach it. Yep. So that that probably speaks more to how like the Marvel universe isn't that great with villains, like you know <laughs> DC is in a way. At least on paper, haha. But, um, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I, 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 he's easily, I, you know, as problematic as it is in a way, if you consider the overall legacy of the Mandarin in all these MCU films, he, he, he's got to be like, I don't know, like immediately in my head, like top three or top five villains in the MCU. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think he's up there. I think Killmonger is up there for me. Right. Yeah. That's good too. Thanos, uh, Killmonger. Yeah, I guess Thanos. Um, I don't did? think any anyone else sticks out as much as Wenwu and Killmonger. Oh. Yeah, I I'd agree with you there. Killmonger was really great, and um, I think, I think, I think the lesson here is a relatable villain is better than. No, I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> Uh, one one last thing on Wenwu, uh, and I think we should move on to like Shang Chi. <laughs> is, um, I want to talk about the scene I was mentioning earlier uh, that I think will is consider will be considered a masterpiece of cinema is the scene when Wenwu meets uh, Fala Chen's character Ying Li and they fight in the bamboo forest uh, at the beginning of the film. Um, I think it's so well crafted yes. and so well choreographed. And um, I read that Fala Chen and Tony Leung did almost all of that scene themselves, um, wow. which is so impressive. I thought for sure there was a body double in there somewhere, but they they were they were the ones doing it. Um, it's mystical and beautiful and gorgeous and. I don't know why I felt wave upon wave of emotions watching that scene unfold. There's like love growing there. There's loneliness and sadness. Um, there's empathy. Uh, there's so mu- so 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 much there, um, and it it reminded me of the um, of like a modern version of the bamboo forest fight between Chow Yun Fat and Zhang Ziyi mm. in oh, yeah. Crouching Tiger, it's Hidden a Dragon. Good comparison, yeah. Yeah, it had that same thing where, like, I think maybe it speaks to you something about the, the Asian um, expression, which is 
there's a fight on the surface going on, but there's so much more going on underneath the surface. Mm. And I, I just thought that was such a beautiful film, beautiful part of the film. Wow, that's really well said. And, and you're right that that scene is. It probably is. The, you're right. It's the most beautiful scene in that entire movie. And and um, because of all the things you said, and I think the choreography was was incredibly eloquent too. You saw two different styles at play, and mm-hmm. and uh, it's a great uh, it's a great way to open a movie too. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Can, can I mention one other scene that I, I thought was really yeah. impressive? It's when uh, Wen Wu takes his a young Shang-Chi um, and is rocking that suit and, and he kills yes. Yes. The, uh, all, <laughs> almost all the members of the Iron Gang. The way the, the camera sort of just moves around the room and, and sort of back to a mirror where young Shang-Chi is, is staring like yes. horrifically at his father becomes someone that he doesn't recognize anymore. For yes. me, that really sold this father-son conflict. It was like, yeah. oh, okay, that's, yeah. that's, where the, that's where it all starts. That's what the core of it is right there. Yeah. I do uh, one, one more thing about Talo and, you know, all that. Uh, before we move on, I, I do want to... There's something that I really want to talk to you guys about. It's probably my favorite part of the movie. Uh, it's something that I've been playing over and over again in my head. Uh, but before that, I, I just want to talk about this one thing. Uh, Michelle Yeoh's exposition dump on the history of Talo and the, <laughs> uh, the Dweller in the Darkness. Man, was that boring. Like... <laughs> Right. We've seen it many times, Mike. We, we, <laughs> yeah. like, okay. yeah. Well, we've seen this done so much better. And one thing that I was thinking yes. about was Man of yeah. Steel. Jor-El telling Kal-El about the history of Krypton. Yes. Uh, but they're walking through the holograms, right? And I feel like in this movie, man, they're just looking at wooden sculptures. Like, it's, it's like the most boring way to tell uh, the mythology of this place. And, Very you know, clearly not- CGI wooden very clearly CGI. Are you sure though? I actually. Struck. Are you sure about that, Job? I had a talk with my sister about that. She said the same thing, and I, I said I, I probably have to see a behind-the-scenes video because there's there have been many mm. times when there are scenes like that uh, in the movie I thought were fake, and the one that back to Star Wars that I can think about was Episode Three: Revenge of the Jedi, when Palpatine is talking to Anakin about the ways of the Sith and there's that wooden mural behind them and it clearly yeah. depicts a Jedi Sith war and I thought oh that has to be fake until I saw a behind the scenes video and it was like oh it's not fake oh. at all so I don't know it's hard to tell anymore sorry we just totally uh, took over Mike's thought here but oh, I'm sorry, sorry Mike no, go no, ahead. no 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 yeah. I mean that, that, that was a uh... I just thought, you know, they had that really cool, like, water graphic, right? <laughs> that they, uh, <laughs> the water map thing. Like, why couldn't we ha- have gotten that story, you know, through mm-hmm. that, you know? Good point. Yeah. Especially um, when that was the Mich- technology, of, uh, right? So. Michelle Yeoh is like, I crafted this myself. <laughs> yeah. I have to talk about it. <laughs> the way to All right, all right. Uh, can we transition and can we yes. talk about the bus fight? Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Let's this do it. is top three, maybe top two best action sequences in the MCU. And one of the best action scenes that I've seen, you know, in the past couple of years, uh, it has everything that makes a good fight scene. Mm-hmm. Amazing choreography. It's clear, it, wide angles, appropriate amount of cuts and close ups. Uh, 
inside the bus, it's like a Jackie Chan action film. Mm. Uh, yes. Outside the bus, it's freaking speed, right? It can't. Oh yeah, good point. Movie. Yeah. And then and you know I always say that music is fifty percent, and they pick the right song for this fight sequence. It's a yep. "Run It" by DJ Snake, and that's the song that I've been blasting over and over in my car. Uh, it's just such a well-conceived uh, action scene and the way it culminates, right? At, at the, towards the end of the fight, they enter a tunnel and it switches to a side view of the bus, right? And then Shang-Chi has to battle his way from the front of the bus to the back of the bus. The camera follows him. It's like a lateral movement, right? From right to left. Yes. Goons get smashed and they get thrown out of the bus towards the screen. Um, it's just so, like... this. Like des- we we get we can't we gotta talk about the director man, yeah we do we do. Justin Daniel we, Cretton, right? That yeah. guy directed the hell out of that scene. Is so good, and you know he's 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 known for small dramas like Short Turn Twelve and uh, Just Mercy, right? This shows that he's a bona fide action director. Like he can direct action, yes. and that was so- like, and it ends with a bang, right? He. Katie swerves the bus on Shang-Chi's cue. He he kicks the uh, the blade guy and leaps onto the front side of the bus as the back side of the bus detaches and tumbles behind him. Like, I, that was a perfect action scene for me. And, and I was like, to me, I thought, I don't care what happens after this. Like, this movie's, this movie's great. It is a great yes. movie. And I, and, and I, felt, I felt the hype. Like, I'm like, this movie... Seriously, like we we saw parts of this fight scene right in the trailers, but then the fact that they 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 kept all this other stuff from us, oh my gosh! Like, yes, yeah, it, they totally delivered on that. It it completely sells what the character is, uh, and I don't think yeah. the movie's even like twenty minutes in. It, it's an incredible way of establishing what the dynamics of the action sequences are going to be and what this character is capable of. Um, yeah, it's a real crowd pleaser. I, I think that, in, at least in the audience that I uh, saw the movie with, that one's elicited the most applause. Yeah. 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 Uh, Destin Credin is, proves that he's he's got what it takes to make action films. Uh, it also helps that he brought in Andy Chang, who mm, yeah. is a longtime uh, Jackie Chan collaborator. Um, and you can see that Jackie Chan influences all over this thing. We, Mike and I, we, we watched a police story uh, recently, and there's a callback to it where <laughs> Simu Lu, uh, Shang-Chi's hanging out of the side of the bus, and he's, like, running with his feet um, while hanging off the bus. Um, not, it's not, it's not, all not, so Not good. to mention they, uh, the henchmen pull off his uh, letterman's jacket, yeah, and he has to fight yes. them with, while his hands are still in the sleeves. Right. Yes. And that's he, a Jackie yeah. Chan move. Puts it right back on. and Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you see the 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 I don't know how what you call it, but the swift punch move like in in Wing Chun, like yeah. in Kung Fu Wing Chun, and it's so there. It's just so cool to see all of that on the screen and done so well. And you could tell they spent they probably spent months working out how to shoot this bus scene <laughs> because yeah. they use every inch of that bus. Yeah, um, <laughs> I I think uh, I mean going back to the the bus fight in the tunnel. You know when it switches uh, POV right to the side view. Uh, I mean, we're talking about Jackie Chan references. That was a re- I felt like that was a direct reference to uh, Park Chan Wook's uh, Old Boy. 
uh, to mm. the hallway fight scene. The moment is switched, and then I watched it. I'm like, wow, he's he's referencing the hell out of like all the hallmarks of the genre. And I'm like, Dude, yeah, so good. And uh, the skyscraper fight, right uh, in Macau, uh, I, yeah, I felt mm-hmm. like that reminded me of Skyfall. Oh, oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I did I, I I did think about Skyfall when that whole scene was going on. Um. Too bad yeah. the the character he was fighting with wasn't a character we found out much about. So he was like uh, Boba Fett before uh, Boba Fett. <laughs> they decided to expand Boba Fett's character. Who knows? Maybe he survived. Probably not. But uh, the Death Dealer is what I'm talking about. Oh, oh, Death Dealer. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like he looks so cool, and then you get to do this fight with Shang at the skyscraper, and then you think, oh, yeah. oh is he gonna? What else is he? Who's behind that mask? And he just kind of just dies <laughs> and like that so my theory was that was going to be his mom or something like oh his mom's been alive this dude that would have been a crazy twist <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah great camera work i i love i you mentioned earlier i think it, mike you mentioned uh you could see all the action because the camera bill oh no the albert i think you said that bill pope's camera was very just calm and it captured it all there, were, there wasn't like annoying cuts shaky cam anything you could see all the choreography and i think that this film successfully made simulu cool mm-hmm. which i thought was a tall task if i'm being honest like he's he didn't seem that cool in in uh <laughs> kim's convenience but really great performance in this one uh, along with shelling too i think sh- this was her first movie um monger zhang and she did a great job too yeah it's interesting there's um so many layers going on with this movie right you could say it's about the children and their father it's sort of uh mm-hmm. the idea of sort of being an asian american and, and and feeling a little outside um asian culture in a way but there's also this interesting uh side story of 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 these siblings right um his mm-hmm. sister isn't really that much of a secondary character if you think about it. she's also kind of got her uh, like i was alluding to her earlier when we started this podcast she's got her own trajectory that is just as important yes. as his is and i really liked how how they they didn't make make him on totally a one-man show that the, yeah the, there was this whole thing going off his sister who that I, I thought was super fascinating yeah there's there's been movies in in countless movies and also in the mcu about family but there hasn't been a film that makes that uh, that evokes family quite like this one i feel and i think it really captures the uh the eastern collectivism almost where you're you're part of a greater whole and um you know america is very individualistic like make make a name for yourself do things for yourself um but having having a sister in here and and father and mother and all of that along with the the uh, the the american girlfriend <laughs> or maybe they're not a, she's not a girlfriend katie but um just i think speaks to that like eastern value of being part of a greater whole um that i i felt like captured just 
the experience of being Asian and Asian American all at once. Yeah, that's that's so well said. Um, another thing to that, and and well, I I just wanted to point out a few things where I felt like there was a poeticness to how this film unfolds that continues that theme. There's there's moments where we see the the Tai Chi leg sweep. I, I I'm giving I'm getting all these these moves wrong. So if there's someone out there who has the right name for these moves, these martial art moves, please tell me. Um, she does the leg sweep, and we see that Shang Chi does that later on, and that actually is the moment when the turning point in the battle for both his mother when she was facing Wen Wu and when Shang Chi was facing Wen Wu. And then there's a part where um, Ying Li, in her battle with Wen Wu, deflects his attack, and Shang Chi does it the same way. And there's a visual parallelism and a poetry to it that I thought was really beautiful as well. Um, I think that ha- that 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 it rewards rewatching to see all of that. I think um, so. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Um, I wanted to ask you guys, I guess to close uh, our discussion, um, I wanted to ask you where you think this ranks uh, in your Marvel mm. list or ranking. Let me pull up my letterbox list that I just updated <laughs> this, this morning. Follow but us I, on Letterboxd. I, I'm pretty sure I, I put it at number seven of all the... Um, okay, so what is yeah. that? Is that like bottom top tier? Uh, top tier. Top tier, but uh, bottom of the top tier. Uh, how um, many Marvel movies have there been so far? So, like, including the Disney, I'm including the Disney Plus shows. So uh, oh, with nice. Shang Chi is oh. uh, 28. Wow. It's uh, just um, hard for me, as much as I love this movie, to have it uh, feel like um, it's on that sort of cinematic experience level i think uh watching the avengers infinity war and endgame did for me and then watching iron man for the first time and and uh and then i i do think uh black panther as a film also has a tighter narrative than this movie but Mm. um who knows that can change i definitely plan on watching it again Uh, i already i think the more i think about shan chi the better it gets so i'm I'm interested in seeing where my thoughts are after i watch it a second time you two have watched it multiple times already right i mean i'd like to hear kind of like whether watching it a a second time sort of changed where you felt like the ranking of, of this movie is for you guys yeah, I, I it definitely improved on a second viewing just because I knew what to expect. I knew that Talo was coming, that the CGI battle was coming. So I just kind of learned to enjoy that stuff. Um, although, you know, I can't help but feel a little bit bored uh, at times because it does kind of drag because I'm not as invested in that. For me, I think Shang-Chi is upper mid-tier. It's close to being top tier for me. Um yeah, so uh, I think that's kind of like where I place it. I think it, if it just had a little bit more uh, intimacy in terms of the characters and in terms of that family drama, like I wanted that to see. I wish that came to fruition more so than mm-hmm. this this like fantasy land that they they were in. Um, yeah. Yeah. So for me, uh, up upper mid tier, very close to being top tier. Nice. 
Yeah, it this is a top tier Marvel film for me. I I've I have never made a list. Uh just never got around to doing one uh given that there's 87 movies now. Um but I uh, I don't know. This is it's going to sound weird, but this is going to get close to the top for me. Um wow. not not probably won't surpass like something like Civil War or even Winter Soldier or even Guardians of the Galaxy, but I'm not sure. I second time watching it, I okay, so the first time I watched this film, I thought that was really great. Um pretty fun, you know, but uh, after seeing it uh, two nights in a row, I I think it definitely has cemented itself as one of the top Marvel films for me. I just think it's really good and honestly it does reward rewatches so i would say that might change um maybe it loses its power after a while <laughs> or something but i i definitely felt like this was gonna become one of my favorite movies it's um how much do you guys feel like being asian american influences your opinion of a film like this this is this is something i've been thinking a, a bit about over the last Same. day yeah yeah, it, like if I weren't, would I enjoy the movie the same way? It seems like people that I know who aren't Asian American love the movie. Yeah, but uh, I w- sometimes I do. But you also can't take it out of the equation in, in a way too, because it was oh, made for, sure. for an audience like us. Mike was Mike brought up uh, at the beginning of this podcast. You know, there there are these little details. You know that they're catering to the Asian American audience too to make mm-hmm. the movie more authentic, right? Like taking off the shoes, shots of the markets, or being asked by friends, mom, are you guys, are you, you know, are you, are yeah. you not dating? <laughs> that sort of stuff, you know, karaoke and sort of yeah. not being able to live up to high, these expectations. So, yeah, um, it's just a thought, I guess. Yeah, I thought about that too, because, you know, just... In the beginning of the movie, like the first twenty minutes is like in Mandarin, and I was like, "Wow, when are they going to speak English?" And but I was just amazed that this is in a Marvel movie. The fact that they're speaking so much of my, like the language of my home, you know, because this is this is a language that we're trying to instill in our kids, and we try to speak in Mandarin exclusively to our our children. And so to see a superhero movie like an American superhero movie have so much Mandarin in it, I. You know, there's a part of me that loves the film for doing that, but I think in the end, I'm still judging the movie just as a movie. Um, all that other stuff is great; it's like icing on the cake. But I think in the end, it has to tell a compelling story. And I think if 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 I think it did affect me, my opinion of the movie, I think it would be top tier. You know, I'd probably say this is like top five for me because of what it means to you know, me as an Asian American and as someone uh, of Chinese descent. Um, but I mean, in the end, it's a movie, right? And yeah, yeah. so it, I think it has to earn its place. Yeah. I, I, I definitely feel biased um, in some ways and not going to tiptoe around that. But I, I think as time goes on, we'll be able to more clearly judge it based on its merits purely i i still do think it's a pretty solid movie all around even without all of that so 
Um, before we wrap up, one last thing I wanted to ask you guys about um, is the post-credit scenes for oh, the yes. Marvel. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, hey. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I want to know what you guys think because I've been thinking about them nonstop. Uh, first is a scene in which Wong, who is the other, the one other Asian guy <laughs> in the Avengers, don't forget um, Agent Wu, Randall Park. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh my gosh, I, keep, I forgot about him. He should have been in this movie. They should that's what got, I thought. Yeah. yeah, you should need one more, one more actor in this movie. Also in San Francisco, right? In yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Maybe he's stuck in um, Wanda's fantasy land in this moment or something. Um, uh, but Wong shows up to the bar, as you do, takes a drink, and then um, invites Shang-Chi and Katie to his to the Sanctum Sanctorum, it looks like, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And they analyze the Ten Rings, and they've got Captain Marvel there and Bruce Banner, who, interestingly enough, is no longer Professor Hulk. Um, but he still has the cast. Which was he still has too. the cast, which yeah. is interesting. Um, and the rings are emitting a signal. Can you guys tell me what you guys think of is going on? What the heck is going on? <laughs> um, I t- one thing I want to say about this movie before I get to my next thought is this is the first time I've been excited, truly excited about post Endgame movie. I loved Spider Man. Uh, you know the Disney Plus movies have been great. Uh, Black Widow was good, but I felt like a movie that should have been made a while ago. Um, yes, this was the first time that you know I got excited about where, where Phase Four was going um, in the movie theater. The best way the MCU is supposed to be experienced by. And I can't wrap my head around all the crazy stuff that Kevin Feige has in store for us <laughs> yeah i i don't know how he's gonna do this like balance the possibility of what the 10 rings mean right yeah. and who is it calling to and also this multiverse that i'm, I'm trying to figure out where, where that split at the end of the loki tv series happens in relation to where sanchi is in this timeline my guess is sanchi probably happens like a little before that but mm. I, I was like i i feel like it's uh, for the future of the MCU, I have no idea how he's gonna weave all all of this stuff together, <laughs> right? It, like, yeah. uh, it's it just blows my mind in a way. Um, so that it made me super excited, but at the same time, I was like, "Are you doing too much? <laughs> you know, you got you guys made it to Thanos, but you know, Kevin, are you doing too much? Uh, <laughs> Are you handling too much? We still got the Fantastic Four potentially next men that are supposed to be oh out my the gosh. next next few phases. So how is this shot? You know, now you have another thing, which is you know, the Ten Rings. So, yeah, yeah. I I think maybe it's calling out to the Eternals, mm-hmm. the, the next Marvel yeah. movie, um, or it could be. I don't. Yeah, I mean that's my immediate guess. Uh, I was like, oh, King the Conqueror. Maybe since he was in Loki, uh, that somehow ties Shang Chi and the Ten Rings to the multiverse. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so my my immediate <laughs> guess would be the Eternals because that's the upcoming film, and I mean they're called the Eternals, right? So they've been around for a while. Mm. Yeah. Same. Uh, well, I this would be spoiling it for you, Mike, because you haven't seen the trailers. But oh, don't tell me then. I won't say anything. Uh, or my I, lips or, are sealed. <laughs> or I can take off my headphones. 
It's okay. me when, when to come back. <laughs> no, 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 no. We'll send you a, a signal from our ten rings. Uh, no. Um, there in the, I, I, I in the co- Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say in the comic book series, uh, the ten rings originate from a alien dragon-looking species, and there's a main dragon called Fin Fang Foom. I'm guessing that's not what it's gonna be. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did read, I did read, or it could be, I don't know, but I, I, I did read about that. But seeing how much that this movie has diverted from the source material makes me think they can just do anything they want with it. There's yeah. so many guests. Maybe I feel a little burnt too much, but there's so many guesses we made about WandaVision. It's Mephisto. And- guys right <laughs> right right you know like that seems so obvious that didn't come true i'm, I'm a little afraid to to source i'm inclined to you know go with your theory job about you know its connection to the eternals but i also think yeah. there's a good chance it could be something completely wacky so for the record that was mike's theory so oh sorry yeah mike's theory it's okay i want to give credit where credit's due <laughs> um Okay, and then there's one more. So, so the the conclusion is we have no idea. Awesome. Uh, the the second post credit scene shows Xiaoling, who supposedly is supposed to be taking down the Ten Rings, uh, actually reviving it. The Ten Rings, the organization, by the way, not the rings, the the knuckle chain or uh, the the arm chain rings, but the uh, or the terrorist organization, the Ten Rings, and the credits then say the ten rings will return um i want to ask you guys is she gonna be an antagonist going forward or is it like she's reforming the ten rings to kind of become this like grayish like mercenary group that helps uh bring good into the world you know my thoughts was that she was going to be the next villain because the way that that scene is up is she sits on her father's chair the camera's pulling out so you can see the full scope of where she's taking the ten rings and she's mm-hmm. included woman in the fighting forces but then when you keep panning out you know they're installing like solar panels <laughs> on the on, <laughs> on the temple and and they've got all this hip graffiti like outside i, I was thinking yeah, I don't know. Someone who would do that would totally want to be like a pure villain. It seems like they're trying to be like something hip in a weird way. Mm. So it's hard. Mm-hmm. For, it's hard to tell. I, I was thinking two possibilities for that for Shaoling and the Ten Rings. Um, one is it could be a future Disney Plus show where they kind of, you know, have mm. some kind of like crime show about the Ten Rings, or they could just proceed with the MCU. Uh, they don't really make a mention of the Ten Rings, but we start seeing hints of the Ten Rings in the background, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's those are two possibilities. Nice. My I, I, Yeah, those those are all great thoughts. I, I, I tend to feel like they wouldn't uh, go full villain with this either. Um, there's also the... Um, um, the person... Uh, forgot her name um who recruited john walker the um the bad cap oh valentina or something yeah Yeah, valentina contessa fontaine or something i don't remember her last name and she also uh recruits yelena um from uh black widow 
it seems like she's building like a, a maybe an anti-hero group um, of less than noble heroes, maybe like a little more morally gray Avengers group. It's possible this could play into that as well. But we really don't know until it happens. Yeah, we're, we're sort of seeing um, a, uh, like you said, sort of the anti-Avengers group takes shape, and we have no idea what the next Avengers group will look like. Yeah, and there is so much to look forward to, um, and so much MCU goodness to come, and you guys can bank on us talking about most of it. So, um I think this is a great place to wrap up, guys. What do you think? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Any um do you guys have any final thoughts uh, about Shanchi before we go? I, Nothing I'm really. Just, uh I, I I guess maybe just to to close, man. Uh just seeing the box office results and every day uh, after this movie was released, it was released Thursday night. And they, I just loved how the projections kept getting higher and higher throughout yes. the weekend. It just yeah. completely exceeded expectations, right? They, I mean, before we were talking about it, okay, forty-five to fifty-five million. I was like, oh, great. What if it gets? What if it's? What if it's like thirty-five million? It's not only bad for this Asian American movie that's supposed to uh, be all about like representation, but it's bad for theaters. Uh, I think yeah. for both this film and what it means to our community and also for the theatrical the experience yeah. like man uh it feels so great to see this movie succeed yes um, yeah I'm, I'm glad it's it's doing better than expected i hope disney changes their mind and it sticks to a 45 day window uh and then they can put this on disney plus or whatever uh but uh yeah i i just hope we'll see with the eternals right what they do uh based but yeah. you know just seeing sony move venom up yeah. two weeks because of how well Shang-Chi did. I mean, it shows that people are willing to go back into theaters, right? So, uh, yeah, just uh, a lot of good vibes from this. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. It's been really fun. That's a big part of, like, the enjoyment of this movie cycle has been seeing, like, the crazy rise in projections. Um, and an interesting experiment indeed has it not been, right? Yeah. So... Um, well, guys, this has been our review of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're really excited about this film. Uh, please go watch it if you haven't. And if you listened all the way here and haven't watched it, what are you doing? Um, join us next time. Uh, we'll be talking about another film, I'm sure. And uh, we're just grateful to have you along for the ride. So see you guys next time. We're not done yet. No. The Supreme Leader is wise. I'm sure you are. Blow that piece of junk out of the sky!